Sacred Ordinary Days podcast. I'm Jen Giles Kemper, and you can find me at sacredordinarydays.com. And I'm Lacey Clark Elman of asacredjourney.net. For season one, we're journeying together through the liturgical year. So grab a cup of tea or coffee and join us at the table. officially starting the second episode of this new adventure. Yes, I'm so excited to really dig in this time. Me too. We're going to start each episode by sharing a little bit of a primer on the particular season. We're in Advent this time. And then we'll be sharing a little bit about what's meaningful about the season for us and um, what practices we're playing with or engaging with as well as some practices that we're hoping to learn or lean into a little bit more and adopt in the future. The main points of reference and a lot of the language that we'll be using throughout the episode um, is referencing um, some of the resources that we've created. You can go to sacredordinarydays.com and download the Essentials Workbook That's free, and my hope is that in creating that Essentials Workbook and this podcast that they are great companions for one another, and so that's why we'll be kind of playing with that resource back and forth. It'll give you some common language to share with other folks in the tribe, and uh, we'll give you something in black and white to look at as as we're talking through things as well, because of course we don't want to just add tools to your cerebral toolkit. We want to add tools to your actual toolkit. (laughs) Mm. And so my hope is that between Lacey and I's conversation here on the podcast and your use of the workbook as an actual workbook where you're working things out (laughs) and then um, the conversation that goes on in the Facebook group and on social media, that between all of that, that you'll have a really rich resource So yeah, are you ready to dig in, Lacey? I am ready. Let's begin. So in terms of your favorite guides throughout the liturgical year, um, what do you want to share with us? Yeah, I'm glad we're starting with this question because I feel like I couldn't start talking about Advent if I didn't begin first by sharing the guides that have introduced me to and guided me through Advent and Christmas, Epiphany, and so on through all the seasons. And that's really um, my favorite. Yeah, yeah. My favorite uh, so far is Gertrude Mueller Nelson, who wrote a book uh, called To Dance with God. I think it was, I mean, it was written in the 90s. So it's a fairly old book, but to me, it's become an instant classic and will be forevermore in my family. It was given to me by a mentor, and it was given to me at a time when I was just discovering the seasons. And so she has been my chief guide for sure. And she is also, she attended the Union Institute. And so she comes at it from a really unique perspective, um, talks a lot about the true self, the false self, mm. about symbolism and metaphor. And so it has enriched the seasons in especially unique ways for me. And so that's why I guide people to first, I recommend first to anyone who asks. And then something I did discover too, as I was researching for my sacred seasons calendar is this book called living the Christian year. And the subtitle is time to inhabit the story of God, which I love. And it's a great, yeah. Oh yeah. And it's a great 
primer, a great invitation for people new to the seasons. And so it outlines each of the seasons. And I think there is a devotion for each Sunday or something like that. But I love, I mean, yeah, I love that subtitle, Time to Inhabit the Story of God. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to follow that invitation? <laughs> what about you, Jen? Yeah. Um, mine have been, and especially are for this year, um, less about kind of other books and mm-hmm. more about really learning to follow um, with the daily office and the lectionary. Yeah. So the liturgical year, also called the Christian year or Christian calendar, church calendar, that is a one-year cycle for, well, as the book that Lacey referenced perfectly put it, inhabiting the story of God. It takes you through, takes the church through the life of Christ. And built on that same framework is the daily office, which is a two-year cycle and is developed, has been developed for personal devotional practices. And it's a two-year cycle that takes you through um, a good deal of scripture And each day there is an Old Testament, a New Testament, a Psalm, and a Gospel, more or less. And then there's the lectionary, which is a three-year cycle that is for the church to use in guiding and directing worship. And so I feel like after having read a number of other books I'm ready to come back to these sort of foundational Mm -hmm. tools um, with some fresher eyes this year. And so I'm really excited about having those as my kind of main companions moving Mm -hmm. forward. And I also really love that there are a lot of people reading the exact same texts Mm -hmm. throughout time. They've been reading them in these cycles, Mm -hmm. different languages, different denominations, different ages. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. That's so cool. And yeah. and I've really loved having conversations that are about how these seem to line up in some interesting mm-hmm. ways with current world events. And gosh, mm-hmm. I just think there's so much richness there. So yeah. those are kind of my main ones. And then the other one is um, a more recent book put together by uh, Shane Claiborne, Jonathan Wilson-Hartgrove, and Anuma Koro. Um, called Common Prayer, a liturgy for ordinary radicals. Yeah. And our dear friend introduced that to us when it came out. She was, I think, one of the hosts of their um, book launch parties at, at their local mm-hmm. church. And the goal of Common Prayer was to synthesize um, all these other resources that monastic communities and a number of different denominations were using to order their common prayer life into one easy to read, always usable book. And it's what we use in um, our small groups as well. So yeah, those, and are, there's an, those are mine. There's an app for that too, isn't there? Common prayer. Yeah. There's an app. You can also get the Kindle edition or they have um, just a really pared down one week edition. Um, yeah. There are a lot of different ways to engage. And it's got music as well. So I love, yeah, you can have your own little service with it. It's true. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those are our big guides for the liturgical year, at least the ones we're working with right now. So let's dive in. Let's, let's talk about. Let's. 
Advent, where we Advent. where we begin. Yeah, Advent is the beginning of the liturgical year. What Jen was just kind of talking about when she explained the daily office and the liturgical calendar as a yearly cycle. It uh, comes after the longest season of ordinary time, which follows Pentecost and. Advent is leading us toward Christmas. And so to figure out when Advent is, it is the four Sundays before Christmas. And so if you want to look at your calendar, you can count back one, two, three, four Sundays, or you could Google Advent 2015, Advent 2016 in the coming year. But it begins the four Sundays before Christmas and is marked by weeks. So the first week of Advent, second week of Advent, etc. And then is the few days that kind of falls between the fourth Sunday of Advent, and then Christmas Day. And the colors of Advent each season is associated with a color in the church. And for Advent, it's purple, or some churches use blue, which represent royalty. And blue also, some people say, that alludes to the night sky, or the um, I feel like the, the darkness of the season of Advent as we, as we wait for the light. Many traditions... Um, are associated with Advent, but one of the most common ones is the Advent wreath, which if you are new to Advent, uh, you probably are the most familiar with the Advent wreath. And that is when you light a candle on each of the four Sundays of Advent. And there are themes associated with those Sundays and with those candles. The common ones are love, hope, joy, and peace. But I know other, other churches have a few different themes as well that they use. And Advent, the word Advent, which I feel like really adds to the meaning of the season, it means coming or arrival. And so it's a season of waiting and anticipation as we prepare to celebrate the arrival of Christ, the mystery of God with us. And so with this waiting, I feel like because it's the darkest time of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, at least, we are invited to... um, to go into those places and we are waiting for the light both without out you know outside for the light to return as it will with the solstice that comes right before christmas and also we are looking for the light within as we settle into our places of longing of yearning the dark places of uncertainty and so as we examine those places we are able to go deeper and to also keep vigil with those places. I think so often in life we we want to avoid those places. We don't want to apply meaning to those places, get right past them. But Advent is a time to sit in those places of darkness as we wait for the light to come, as we wait for the hope to draw near. And it also is a reminder of the already, not yet, because here on the other side of the birth of Jesus, we know of the hope Christ brings, and yet we still experience times of waiting, not just waiting for for the fullness of the hope of Christ, but also waiting for the fullness of life in many aspects. And so Advent is a time for us to stay with those feelings, with those emotions, um, to keep vigil with them as we prepare to receive the light. I love that already not yet paradox and that's actually one of the most meaningful parts about this season for me. Yeah, tell me about that, Jen. There's so many parts of our lives that feel like it's an us or them, either or moment. Mm-hmm. 
And I know in my experience, the places where I am most loving, most patient, most faithful are the moments where I have the time and the space or the perspective or the, maybe just enough sleep (laughs) Um, (laughs) to see, to see everyone as an us or um, yeah, to, to begin to see that there's not a paradox there, that there's not, um, it's not either or, it's both and. Yeah. And, and Advent is, I think, this season that most shows me what that is, um, most demonstrates that for me. Because on the one hand, we're sitting with the first covenant people waiting for Jesus to come, waiting for Jesus to be born, waiting for the Savior. And at the same time, knowing that Jesus is coming, that Jesus has come, we're also waiting for the time when he'll return again and restore the kingdom of heaven on earth, which is partially us, yeah. or maybe a lot us, maybe mm-hmm. all us um, some days. Well, and that reminds me of, you were saying you read the lectionary, like the prophecies, we're reading the prophecies, you know, from long ago. And yet you were saying that today it feels so relevant as well. Yeah, there's so much, um, there's been so much happening in the world these last few weeks with, oh, I could go down a very long list, but the (laughs) truth is no matter when you're listening to this, you Mm -hmm. could have a long list of what is happening in the world that makes it feel like everything is about us or them. Mm-hmm. That there are always these incredible acts of violence that we we watch on the news, that we witness in our homes and even in the quiet, darkest places of our hearts that are happening even inside of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We're always waiting for the light and that's... That's what the season of Advent is, I feel. Yeah. Waiting for the light and recognizing that waiting. And as you said, keeping vigil, um, waiting mm-hmm. with hope and not fear or despair. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, kind of connected to that, that waiting and keeping vigil. It reminds me, too, just because, you know, the story is of the birth of Christ that comes with Christmas. And then, so we're naturally drawn to think of Mary and her pregnancy during the season of Advent and it shows up in the readings as well. And I feel like that too is a symbol and kind of helps, um, is a helpful metaphor as we think about how do we find meaning, meaning in the season of, of waiting that already not yet, because when you're pregnant, you already, you know, know what is coming, but you're not there yet. You don't have the baby in your arms. And so, I feel like during the season of Advent, the image of Mary and the, the metaphor of pregnancy invites us to ponder what God is conceiving within us, just as Jesus was conceived in Mary and how in the same way we can serve as vessels for the divine and hosts for the incarnation. And so I feel like it asks us to listen deeply and attune ourselves to the places where the Spirit is stirring in the midst of deep silence and stillness as we wait for for the light, for a new life to emerge, even 
in these times, which, as you said, could be, you know, weeks now if you're listening or decades ago or decades from now, these times of, of turmoil, of waiting, of unrest, um, that, that there is life. And that's, I mean, that's what faith, that's what our faith is about, is drawing us toward the light, toward the life, toward the hope. And so I feel and like that's... being those things. Yes, exactly, exactly. Being that for the world. Um, and so I, I, that's why I really love Advent. You know, all of the world wants us to start Christmas these days, I feel like before <laughs> Halloween even. Um, but certainly once the last bit of turkey is carved or <laughs> digested, once you have your, your post-Thanksgiving nap, um, it's time to to transition to Christmas. And so I feel like recognizing Advent and adding that into your your rhythm and um, your expression of faith, it reminds us that it doesn't begin with the baby, but it begins with the womb in that mysterious place where hope is conceived and new life is formed. And yeah, it reminds us of the already not yet, though we have the light, yes, the light of Christ, but we are still waiting and that that's what this life is about. That's what faith is about, everyday spirituality. And I get that. I get that Christmas is a big enough deal that you want to celebrate it and you're hungry yeah. for it. So I totally get mm-hmm. wanting to pull out the Christmas tree in October or November or whenever. Um, and yet I do find myself wanting to learn how to mm. hold space mm-hmm. for and, and, and how to practice yeah. living in those liminal spaces in life every day. Um, it is really hard to wait. It is really hard to sit in the dark. It is really hard to do it for yourself and by yourself. It's really hard to do it with and for other people. And um, I think that's one of the great gifts of of the seasons is, is that it helps us um, practice and learn some vocabulary or if nothing else, know what prayers to return to when we're in those places of lack of hope, lack of peace. Um, we have we have songs to sing and and return to. Yeah. Well, and I feel I feel like just as you were saying, it's really hard to stay in those places. It's certainly hard to, you know, if if you don't want to stay with those places, you certainly don't want them to be meaningful. And I think mm-hmm. that's what Advent mm-hmm. Advent gives us an opportunity to to provide meaning around those those places in our in our lives, and then as we ritualize that, as we embody that, then when those seasons come in our lives, past the season of Advent, we are able to, as you've kind of said, stay stay there in those moments. Yeah. So what about, what about your practices? Are there certain things that you always do to mark the season of Advent or Mm -hmm. some new things that you're playing with? Yeah. Well, I feel like it was probably obvious whenever I was gushing about the books earlier (laughs) that kind of guide me through the seasons, but reading is a huge part of my spiritual practice. And so what I read changes with, you know, my seasons of life as well as 
uh, oftentimes the season the season of the liturgical year. And so this season I've been reading um, from Richard Rohr's book. I think it's called Preparing for Christmas. And I've read God with Us as well, which is a collection of writings. And so that's been really valuable to me. I feel like after the huge season of Ordinary Time, once we're kind of resetting the year with Advent, mm-hmm. um, I'm especially eager to to draw close to the meaning of the season, as in particular as we as we await Christmas, I think, with the world around me saying Christmas, Christmas, and me, you know, part of me, too, also, as you were saying, wanting to put up the tree, wanting to do all, you know, yeah. all these things. Um, that's why another reason why I hold Advent close, um, because it kind of, I don't know if placates the right, the right <laughs> word, but it um, it uh, helps me find the significance I'm looking for in the meaning of Christmas. And then I get to celebrate Christmas for 12 days after that, but we'll talk about that next next time around. And so, (laughs) yeah, I feel like whenever you really embrace Advent, Christmas is all the more meaningful, just the same with Lent and Easter. That's true. Yeah, I do a lot of reading and then journaling has been a new, I mean, journaling has been a practice of mine for quite some time off and on. But this season I've committed to journaling each day about um, places of deep yearning in my own life, places where I'm longing for light and the hope that comes with Christ as a way of drawing near to those places of longing, of uncertainty, of deep desire, and, and not only naming them and and staying with them, but keeping vigil too. And so I feel like keeping vigil is staying with, but also kind of keeping the flame lit. I envision when I think of vigil, like lighting a candle. And so it reminds me of like that there's hope to come. Mm -hmm. So I'm with you in this. And also I know that there's, there's light. There's hope to come. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. What about you? I read a great article earlier this week, um, on, on being, Ah, and it described Advent as a shoulder season. Mm. So beautifully written, and we'll share a link to it and all the other resources that we've talked about in the show notes. But shoulder seasons, as it turns out, are low seasons in between high tourist activity, or at least that's one mm-hmm. one meaning of shoulder when season. I like to I travel never, when yeah. it's cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd never, I'd never heard that phrase before, and so thinking yeah. of hmm. Advent as a shoulder season at first didn't really fit because in some ways it feels like, no, shoulder season is what we just got off of ordinary time. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, in this metaphor for working with it, Christmas is the high time. So Advent feels like more than a shoulder season, but not quite, not quite the tourist season or, you know, the high pomp Mm -hmm, and circumstance. mm -hmm. Um, And yet the more I sit with it, the more helpful I find that metaphor to be. And I even think of um, the ways that I engage with the season, marking it or practices that I'm playing with. I found it really helpful to think of six main areas of my life. And so you'll hear Lacey and I referring to those throughout the episodes and throughout the season. But for me... um, I usually start with thinking about spirit because I feel like that's the most common thing that we talk about is the very 
specifically spiritual practices um, for a season, like lighting an Advent wreath or during Lent fasting. Um, And so that's an easy place for me to start. But mine, um, for the next, uh, for the season for Advent is, um, that I am really starting to, to use a finger labyrinth again, a prayer labyrinth. Um, and part of that is because we just redesigned one and, and released it. And so they finally came in and I've been really excited to use it. But the other is that the last few months I have written more words per day than I have ever written in my entire life. And, um, I found that the two things that I craved most when I felt like my bucket was empty of words Mm -hmm. and feelings and everything, um, one thing that I really craved was surprising to me, which was, I felt like being emptied of words, I needed to refill Mm -hmm. with words. And so I've been doing a lot of reading Mm -hmm. and the other was silence, I guess, to balance that out. And so I've picked back up. Um, my practice of centering prayer, but in the past I had used a word to call me back to center and mine for years has been the faithful or faithful. And so we can talk about centering prayer more another time, but um, the basic idea is that it's a type of contemplative prayer and it's a way of meeting with God in silence and a place beyond words and most most of us in the Western church aren't familiar with meeting with God in a place beyond words. We're all words all the time, especially in mm-hmm. prayer. And so um, I've recently started approaching centering prayer uh, by using a breath as my call back to center. And that's something that the Eastern church the Orthodox Church teaches, um, and that's been really helpful for me. And so I've been um, really working with that this Advent. And then the other that I have been really enjoying and playing with is um, taking walks in the dark. So yeah. as I'm thinking about what it looks like to embody this season in, in my body, I have been wanting to get out more and take more walks. We have been working literally from sunup <laughs> to sundown um, for a lot of days in a row now. Uh, and as my body has just been craving getting outside and moving more, I decided that I'm just going to embrace the fact that my only time available to do that is in the morning when it's dark and in the evening when it's dark. And to um, enjoy that and be intentional about it and rather than taking something or someone to accompany me in the dark, I'm being more intentional to just be in the dark without music, without a podcast, without a walking or talking companion, um, to just go and be there. I love that too, because like you don't have time to walk otherwise, like that just is the circumstance that if you wanted to walk, it would be in the dark. And yet here we are in this season that invites us to enter the dark. And so it's like you're finding meaning in the, in these places that, you know, might just seem circumstantial, but, um, really when you look at it through that lens, through the advent lens, you're able to, 
to turn something that might just be exercise or a break into into a practice, not yes. only in the walking and that physical part, but the darkness that surrounds you. Which is my favorite type of spiritual practice, and I think can be helpful for folks who are really hesitant to re-engage with spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices who've been who felt burnt yeah. by them in the past or who felt burnt out or like um, taking this approach was too legalistic or confining. Um, mm-hmm. Coming back to it with a spirit of either play or extreme practicality, um, kind of as the foundation from which a practice might spring forth. I don't know. It's a different creative approach. Curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Curiosity. So tell me about how you practice Advent in your home, Jen. Yeah. So normally we have a Christmas tree that we go out and get on the first Sunday of Advent. We have a hanging of the green service that evening with our church. And so it's really nice to um, go get the green for our home that afternoon. And then after the church service, we, that's when we come home and actually put the lights on the tree. And that's been really neat. Um, if you came to my home right now, you would see a large <laughs> gray box with a bunch of lights and Christmas decorations inside and pretty much nothing else. You would see some purple pillows, which are a reminder mostly to me, but there's <laughs> something I take a lot of delight in. I put them away a few months ago as we were redoing some colors And I thought, you know, this will be really fun to bring back out for Advent. And I've really been looking forward to that. Um, Another one, which I do almost every season and love, which again is mostly for me, is I switch out the hand soap. Um, I know that that seems really insignificant to a lot of people, but um, engaging with the seasons through all the ordinary things is my favorite way. And so... And all the senses... Yes, it engages all all my senses. So you can cuddle up on the couch with a purple pillow and throw, and it kind of calls you back to remember. Or Yeah, kind um, of like even at the end of the day, I'm sure, your days, they're so busy, like where you feel like you have no energy for anything. Maybe you're just curling up and watching something just to distract you from your work. Like you can just look under your arm and see that pillow there, and it can call you yeah. back to, to Advent, even in those seemingly forgotten moments. That's exactly it. You feel furthest from from the place. And it feels like a good way to engage. um, Even if you don't feel like you have a bunch of extra time or energy or money to engage Mm -hmm. with the season. Um, What about you? Yeah. I love that. Glimpses throughout your day, for sure. Um, For me, yeah, the greens. uh, We don't have, like, anything formal like that happening in our in our church, but we have made it a practice, especially since we moved into our new home, which is near a park that I love to walk. I love to walk in most most days, and um, so I've walked it throughout all the seasons. But it feels especially significant on the first Sunday of Advent when we've decided to go and gather greens from from the ground. We're not clipping them, so <laughs> in case the Seattle Parks and Recreation loves to listen to this podcast and wants to know <laughs> we're just helping clean up but yes. anyway we we gathered these greens and so it feels really meaningful you know not only to be gathering greens but greenery but um sounds like i'm talking about spinach i'm not <laughs> i'm talking about like you know pine branches um gathering greenery but also because it's this place that has been so near and dear to me in my spiritual practice and my 
my well-being the past year to come and to bring that into my home. And so that's how we start and put that on the mantle. And we kind of mark St. Nicholas Day as well, which is the the sixth. And so that's when we do stockings. And so Hmm. that comes soon after, usually the first Sunday of Advent. So it's kind of like we're preparing the mantle for for St. Nicholas to come and and to teach us how to give. Yeah. Um, And Gertrude Mueller Nelson in the book To Dance With God talks all about St. Nicholas and the significance of that. And so... I direct you there for more. <laughs> but um, the second Sunday, so we've been, as we've leaned into Advent, we've begun to think like, what are traditions we can do in our home? You know, first Sunday, second Sunday. So we're not like holding ourselves off with all the Christmas decorations until Christmas. We're, you know, but it's a slow build um, preparation. And so there's that that tension of like anticipation, you know, like looking forward to and getting a little foretaste, but also waiting too and remembering that and so so the second Sunday is when we have gotten the tree in the past and this year we actually went out into the mountains and cut down a tree with a permit (laughs) and brought it back and I love too that like it was really I was surprised it was hard to find a really full tree so our trees got lots of holes and funny funny branches and stuff like that but I feel like that's another option you know opportunity for metaphor inviting that into our home and letting that be our advent. It's not this perfect tree like you would think it would be. And so then we have the ornaments out and we just decorate it a few a few at a time until we've finished all the ornaments by Christmas Eve and then top it off with the star, which feels like it really ushers us into Christmas. Yeah, which starts at sundown. So how perfect. Exactly. Well, what about... Um what about some things that you're looking forward to doing in the future? I know um, in the planner or the essentials workbook, there is an opportunity each season to kind of envision how you're going to engage with this season in the six areas of your life. And then on the following page, there's um, space to reflect on what worked or didn't work about that and then reset for the next time it comes around. And having all three of those pieces at pl- in play has been really helpful for me in the last um, few years as I've started kind of working with this myself and sharing it with folks. And I'd love to hear, Lacey, as you're even looking forward to the future, uh, even as we're still in the midst of Advent, what what are some things that you already know that you'd like to try down the road? Well, I feel like whenever I think about, you know, I imagine um, embodying these seasons, I'm always thinking about them in a family setting. And so I think a lot of the things that I'd love to incorporate and even, you know, St. Nicholas are going to get the tree. I kind of imagine what will that be like as a family to go and get the tree and stop in at a diner after, you know, and all the, all the <laughs> how, how you bring meaning into children's lives or St. Nicholas, um, for sure, is a great example of kind of repainting that tradition of Santa Claus um, in a more meaningful light. Uh, so uh, there's one that I read about. It was called Preparing the Creation. You have like a manger or a basket and you have straw. And so each time that you do a good deed or an an act of devotion or something like that, you add the straw to the creation. So it's ready for Jesus on Christmas day. And I feel like that is a great way to, yeah, practice 
a long, you know, it's still has that preparation sense because it starts empty. And so it invites, you know, the waiting. And yet at the same time, you are preparing and you're preparing by these acts of kindness, these mm-hmm. acts of giving, of goodwill. Um, and then I know I've mentioned the feast day of St. Nicholas. There's the conception of Mary that I've just learned of someone being new. They're fairly new to the calendar like myself. And so I know with the image of Mary as God-bearer, that is really important to me during the season of Advent. And so to learn more about Mary's own history, I feel like would be really meaningful and a great way to hang the Mary ornament on the tree on December 8th. Or Yeah. Yeah, or... Some I've heard of people wrapping up different books, you know, for families, and it's ones you already own, or it could be new ones, one that you choose each each day. Of like December, to read as a family, each, exactly each day oh. of Advent. So you could say the one for December eighth is one about Mary, or I just got one about Saint Lucia, which is December thirteenth, and so I'm totally new to that one, except for Kirsten, the American girl, <laughs> the American girl doll. <laughs> Yes. So I, yeah. I know about it from there. But yeah, so I felt like that would be, and it also involves like some baking activities and stuff like that. So I feel like these are ways to to add some meaning, some flair to the season while also still holding the tension of that preparation and anticipation. Yeah. And I know St. Lucia Day for me has been one that's on my list that I would like to learn more about. Um, my brother and his wife and their brand new baby, um, that's something that they celebrate with Caitlin's family. And I've loved hearing about how her family engages with it and have been curious to learn more and um, maybe have it be a part of our little family as well. And I know that um, I have been really excited to hear about your and Kyle's approach to um, picking a certain thing each week and, and starting mm-hmm. that way. And that's on my list. I want to, I want to yeah. have oh, um, it's fun a to similar, yeah, yeah, I want to have a similar approach next year. Um, and even down to thinking about, um, we don't have a Christmas tree in the attic because I don't like storing a lot of things. And I like having the smell of a real Christmas tree in the house, oh, but, yeah. um, it's not terribly exciting to go to Lowe's or Home Depot and pick out a tree. And so um, even just looking forward to next year and envisioning, okay, how could we, how could we have a little bit more fun with this? And um, I know that another thing that I have been working on and want to continue to figure out is um, picking out ornaments that I want to add specifically uh, representing different chrismons. And so chrismon ornaments are about Christ's monogram. And so Hmm. the different ornaments represent different characteristics of God. And so there are some that represent peace and some that represent God as Alpha and Omega and some that represent God as King. And a lot of churches have those. Um, and they'll even have like worship guides that tell you what all the Chrismon mean. Um, but I, I have a few of them on our tree or in our ornament box. Um, (laughs) and I would like 
yeah, I like to make some. And so there's actually a group here that um, make them together. They make one a month, and I'm thinking about joining it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like that. So one of the things that um, we're wanting to do is offer a blessing and benediction at the end of each of these episodes. And our good friend, Christy Ann Squires, who has stillforming.com, has been leading a group through Jane Richardson's new book, Circle of Grace. And as Christy Ann has been um, recording blessings and inviting people to reflect on those with her, which you can learn more about on her website, um, I've been in her group and have loved the shepherding that she and Jan have offered together through Jan's writing and Christian's recording and gathering. And um, one blessing, the blessing for waiting, has really mm. grabbed me. So I want to share that with you. Who wait for the night to end? Bless them. Who wait for the night to begin? Bless them. Who wait in the hospital room? Who wait in the cell? Who wait in prayer? Bless them. Who wait for news? Who wait for the phone call? Who wait for a word? Who wait for a job, a house, a child? Bless them. Who wait for one who will come home? Who wait for one who will not come home? Bless them. Who wait with fear? Who wait with joy? Who wait with peace? Who wait with rage? Who wait for the end? Who wait for the beginning? Who wait alone? Who wait together? Bless them. Who wait without knowing what they wait for or why? Bless them. Who wait when they should not wait? Who wait when they should be in motion? Who wait when they need to rise? Who wait when they need to set out? Bless them. Who wait for the end of waiting? Who wait for the fullness of time? Who wait emptied and open and ready? who wait for you. Oh, bless. We'd love to have you join the conversation and share your experiences as well. Join us in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash sacred ordinary days tribe or on social media. Last week, we told you to use the hashtag sacred ordinary days podcast, but we decided it's just too long. So we're going to stick with the hashtag sacred ordinary days. We want you to tell us How has practicing Advent impacted your spiritual journey and the way you celebrate Christmas? What Advent traditions do you have in your family? Maybe using the categories we mentioned earlier and that are in the workbook of spirit, body, mind, relationships, home, and work might be helpful as you begin to think about how to embody the season. We'd love to hear what you come up with. You'll hear from us again on Wednesday, December 23rd, as we prepare for Christmas Day and the season of Christmas, also called Christmas Tide. Be sure to subscribe to the Sacred Ordinary Days podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you are interested, we would love for you to write a review and hear what you have to say. It helps us get discovered by more people. 
For more resources on the liturgical calendar and spiritual formation, join me at asacredjourney.net and jen at sacredordinarydays.com. 